Yeah. All right. Uh, good afternoon, everybody, again. As I mentioned before, since, we're not, since this is not part of the schedule, I, don't, I really don't want to give a lecture now. It's also it's very hot. I just want to tell you a story. If you enjoyed the story, just sit in on If not, please make yourself comfortable and walk around. You didn't come here to hear stories. You came here to hear the very tyrant. But I'm going to tell you the story. It's a story that um, I think you might enjoy. Um, the story goes back to the time of the Inquisitions. As you know, many, much, much um, uh, literature was written about the bravery and the greatness of the Muranos, of the Anusim, that they, um, the mysterious nefesh down in the, in the cellars, they kept the Torah and the mitzvahs, etc. What, what many people don't know is that the whole situation of these people was, uh, was very, was, was, was um, how do I say it? No. Very controversial. In other words, the Rambam writes very clearly with very, very sharply against these people. Rambam was uh, before the time of the Inquisition, but, but the situation was a situation that was generations and generations. And the Rambam held that at the halacha, you have no reshus, you're not permitted to go into hiding and open to make yourself uh, like a goy. But you have to run away. That's the Rambam's shita. And it seems that it's not so simple. It could be there was some Rishonim who argue. And this uh, story will illustrate this, this idea. The story starts with a... We go back to the time of the Inquisitions. There was a family. And there was a bocher, a boy, who was a natural masmid. By nature, he was a masmid. He sat and learned because he enjoyed learning. He loved learning. And he would sit down, wait below in the basement, within a basement, within a basement. And there was a shul there, and there was sferim. And he was, his name was Yaakov. That was his name. And he would sit and learn Dapegemore. And he would learn Torah Basmode Gedoyle. And he was a Talmud Chochem. He was a young fellow. But he would learn Basmode Gedoyle. He pushed had a, as he, today we also find such people that have a, a, a yearning, a, enjoyment, a kishrin of learning by Smodegadoyle. He would sit and learn hours and hours on his own self, by himself, with the Gvaldege Cheshik. He learned Mesechtes, he learned Gemara, he learned Rambam, and in, in the Besmedrish, which was, as we were saying, deep, deep in hiding, there were four Chalakim with the Rambam. The Rambam, we know, has 14 Sforim, and the 14 Sforim usually abound into five uh, volumes. There was one volume of the Rambam that was missing. And he, as a Talmud Chochem, was looking for this volume of the Rambam. And he asked his father and his grandfather. And, they, and he, it's missing, you know, the family's missing, and we're in, we're in a situation which we, there's no such thing as buying Sfarim. Now, one day as he was sitting learning, way down in his hiding, his sister came down and she told him that we have a guest, the Marchaot, in parentheses, upstairs, uh, a Galach, a priest from the Inquisitions, who came to visit. And this Galach was a Goy, but really he wasn't a Goy, really he was a Yid, who was a Meshumid, who converted, and he was a Roshib. And he was visiting, obviously, because he, you know, 
whatever the reason might be. So she came down because down in this, this hiding, there was a closet. And over there was all kinds of um, trays. And she opened up the, the closet always locked. She came down with the key, opened up the closet, and took out a very fancy tray that they kept in hiding. And she went back upstairs. And the Yaakov was considered, continued learning. And as he was learning, he was learning the halacha of Moser. Moser in, in English is called an informer, a snitcher. And again, the Rambam ex- expresses himself with utmost severity of the Avera of being an informer. It's very interesting that if someone informs on a different Jew, even, even, even monetary things, to the Goyim, so Rambam says that this is a Russia Gomer in the Chedekumabo, and it's very interesting that to this, to this very day, we have, no, we have no ways in our life of being done in the Fashas. None of us will ever go and kill a person in any situation. If you see someone Mechal Shabbos, any situation, you won't go kill someone. But in our generation, the only case that we have, that we find in our generation, that a Jew would kill a fellow Jew was if there was a Muslim. And I, I, know, I heard from a Yid, from a friend, from a friend of the Baruch Lips Hassun. He's not living anymore. He was a very yeshiva man from the, from the previous generation. He said in his town, he remembers in his town, there was an informer. He used to go to the Polish government, to the police. He used to inform all kinds of things about different people. And Arab Shabbos, he went to the mikveh, and they drowned him there. Whatever the case is, coming back to our opinion. So this, this, this boy was learning the Hilchus Moser of how, how, how important it is to be careful not to inform your fellow to, to the British authorities. And as he was learning... And he had a cheshek to, 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 to raise his voice. You know, when, when you learn Torah, you have a cheshek to raise your voice and to sing and to, and to, to learn with a cheshek. But he, was, he realized to Rambam that if Chas V'Shalom, if he raises his voice, if someone will hear him, and any, any situation will come, that he's, he's the one, Chas V'Shalom, who informed this family situation to the, to the Inquisitions. So that's the worst situation that could be. Achmon al Rambam says he's elechedek ma'bod, the worst thing. Anyways, he was sitting and learning and learning and learning. And then he picked his eyes up and he noticed that when his sister had opened up the, the closet, she forgot to lock the closet back again. And he never saw it was in the closet. So as of, out of curiosity, he picked himself up and walked to the closet and opened up the doors. And he saw shelves of klikoidish mostly, silver trays and candlesticks and uh, esrik boxes and basalan boxes, all kinds of Jewish utensils which... Uh, which Baruch Hashem by us, so we see them every day, but then, it was in, then these people were in hiding in the time of the Inquisition. And he saw a beautiful, he saw a beautiful array from this very rich family. And he was looking from shelf to shelf. And all of a sudden, the bottom, he noticed a Sefer. And he picked up the Sefer, and here is the lost Rambam. The Rambam, the first volume of the Rambam, which he was looking for so many years, um, just for the people that are coming in, this is not a lecture, this is a story. It's not part of the schedule, so I just want to take up the time. So I'm telling you a story. Don't, uh, <laughs> don't think that you came into his stories. In the afternoon, we'll start our lecture. He picked up the, the, the Rambam, and here is the first volume of the Rambam that he's looking for so, for so long. And his impulse was to run upstairs and tell his father that he found the Rambam. But he realized that there was a guest upstairs, so... Whatever it is, he took out the Rambam and he started reading and he opened the Rambam, and he started, you know, paging through the Rambam. 
and he saw in the Rambam Hilchus Yisraeli HaTorah. And in Hilchus Yisraeli HaTorah, which is the foundations of Torah, and he, he, he gobbled word after word with enjoyment, with, with cheshek. And then he came to the halachas of Hilchus Kiddush Hashem. And Hilchus Kiddush Hashem, here the Rambam voices his opinion about the whole situation with this fellow found himself with his family. And the Rambam says that if a Melech Russia will get up or will be Gezer Shmad against the Jewish people and if you're able to run away and you don't do that, that you go into hiding. So the Rambam says, it's a very, very hard quote in the Rambam, but the Rambam says, Harehu kekelev shaval kiyoi Excuse the expression, it's like a, like a, a dog who, who, who eats up his, his vomit. In other words, he's, he's, eat, he's, he's eating... All his mitzvahs have, have no value. And the Rambam says, This is the Rambam's shita. And the, the reason why the Rambam expresses himself such, so harshly is because in Hilchus Kiddush Hashem, and this is not my discussion, as I said, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm about to tell you a story. But in Hilchus Kiddush Hashem, the halach of Kiddush Hashem is that you have, that you... You're never supposed to deny the presence of Hashem with your mouth, even verbally, if you have no intention of being kaifal Hashem. And I, I don't know if the audience here knows this halacha. It's not part of the story, but the audience should know this halacha. That if you are chas v'sholem, you're walking in, in, in the streets, you're riding your car, and you stop, and the guy, the guy catches you, and he has a knife, and he says, you're a Jew. Jew boy, to say, I am not Jewish, to say these words, I am not Jewish, is Yehoreg Va'al Yavor. You're supposed to give away your life and not to say these words, I am not Jewish. Because a Jew expresses emune in the Torah and Hashem, to say, I'm not Jewish, is Yehoreg Va'al Yavor. You could say to him, do I look Jewish to you? You think this is a Jewish nose? You could say that, you could say whatever you want, but to actually verbally say, I am not Jewish, is Yehoreg Ba'al Yavr. Something which is very important for us to know, especially in the modern generation. Now coming back to the story, so the Rambam obviously was very, very much against the whole situation of these, of these, of these people, the Muranos, that used to hide themselves and openly they used to say that we don't keep the Torah, etc., etc. Coming back to the story, this boy, who was a Masmid, and it seems he was a Adam Kodesh, he learned Bletter Gemara, all of a sudden, his whole world caved in. Now, it's very hard to, express, to explain. When a person sees himself in a situation for, 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 for months and maybe for years as a tzaddik, as a kodesh, because he said, look, I'm in hiding and I'm, and I'm learning Torah and, and, I'm, and I'm at masmid and I gobble every word as mysterious nefesh. And all of a sudden, the Rambam says that all your Torah and all your mitzvahs is going to go to the Gehenna. So the whole world caved in on him. The whole world caved in on him. He, he, you know, he just couldn't look at the Gemara anymore. You know, until now the Gemara was saying, thank you, it's so, it's so wonderful, it's gewaldic. And all of a sudden, you know, the Ramah says that, that he's in Russia, that he's, he, he's, he's in the worst situation that could be. You're supposed to go out and open. You let yourself be killed or run away. You have never just to be in such a, such a situation. Might you not have yeah, to go out in the open, obviously. But to, hope, but, to, but to live in such a situation when you're able to escape, the Raman says you're not allowed, even though it's not his fault because it's his parents that kept him in the situation. 
And all of a sudden there was an Aaron Kodesh, and the, and the Sefer Torah, the Aaron Kodesh looks at him and says, what are you keeping me here for? The kid said, he was, he was such an emotional turmoil was within him. And he, he said, I have to get out of here. I have, to, I have to take a walk. I have to see. So he picked himself up and called the Gemara, took him down by habit, put down on the table, because, you know, you know, that was his habit. And walked out. He stopped for a second. And he walked back, and took the yarmulke and put it in his pocket. And went out and started going for a walk. And he's walking, and he's walking, and he says to himself, What's, What should I do? I, can, I, can I escape? I have parents, I have a family. What should I do? Where sh- who should I turn to? And he reviewed what he learned in the Rambam. That Peshat Sashmad, at the time of Shmad, you're supposed to have a serious nefesh for every small mitzvah. Now, again, in parenthesis, halakhically, halakhically, in the time of Shmad, if the government tells you not to keep the mitzvahs, to go against the mitzvah is, is Yehorik Val Yavr. But for instance, you're not mechuyiv to walk out in the street with filling. There's no such mitzvah that should go and kill you. It's just, if they say that, let's say the Jewish people had a minig, had a custom to wear black shoelaces and the going wore red shoelaces and they say everyone has to wear red shoelaces and you go out with red shoelaces then that's Yehorik Valyam but you're not to go out and do the mitzvahs in the open whatever it is this boy was, was walking and, this, and thinking and then he decided I know what I'm going to do I'm going to make me serious nefesh the Rambam says that he's supposed to make me serious nefesh I'm going to give away my nefesh for, for Hashem now, he knew that one of the heads of the, of the Inquisition was this, was this Galach, was this priest, who was visiting his parents' house before. And he knew that he's a Rosh Marusha. He was a Yid, he was a Yeshiva Bokhar. His name was Pablos. That was his Goyesha name. His original name was Pinchas. They knew him. And he was a Yeshiva Bokhar. And he was a Mashumid. And he was a Rosh Marusha. And he knows good and well what Judaism is all about because he was once a Yeshiva Bokhar. And as it happens, Ahmad al-Islam, he went out and fell far away. And he decided he's going to make mysterious nefesh. What did he do? When he reached the street where this Pablos was living, he took out the yarmulke from his pocket and put it on his head. And he marched up and down the street. He walked the street. And he was waiting for the moment for the gala to send out the police and to take him and to kill him and he knows he was meant to nefesh for Hashem and he walks down the street closing his eyes feeling the closeness of Hashem I'm going to mysterious nefesh and nothing happened he walks the other way and he picks up his eyes and he sees that this Pablos is looking through the the curtains and he's, he knows what he's doing and he knows good and well he knows what a yarmulke is because this Russia once wore a yarmulke and he went back and forth several times. Nothing happened. Well, if nothing happens, so he was happy. I made my mysterious nefesh. I was became the Rambam. I did what I'm supposed to. I gave away nefesh Hashem. Hashem didn't want it. Hashem didn't want. Hashem didn't want this fellow to, to kill me. Maybe, maybe he'll become a Shiva someday. And after a few minutes, he took off his yarmulke, put it back into his pocket, and went home. Went home, happy, feeling again that he, he did what Hashem wanted from him. 
you know, his, all his, all his simchas hachayim, all the happiness of life came back to him. And he went home, he was hungry, it was, it was, it was experience, a person, I mean, a, a young boy to do such a thing, it was, it's, 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 it's an experiment. He was hungry and he was tired and he was happy and he went home. He comes home and he doesn't come too close to the house when he sees what happened. The windows were boarded up. The door was boarded up. And he realized what happened. This Pablo Shemachshemo, instead of taking, sending the police to catch the boy, he sent the police straight to the family and took them all into the Inquisition and he closed up the house. And then the second Rambam, the previous Rambam, flashed in front of his eyes. The first Rambam that he was learning about Hilchus Moser, about being an informer. Until now, <laughs> he was so careful not being an informer against, against, against his family. And then he was so involved with his own problem, the fact that he's, out, he's in hiding, that he didn't realize that he's not a, he's not, he's not a child in his own world. And then he realized that really what he did was he informed his family of the Inquisition. For some reason, this Pablos wanted, you know, to really, to really, how do you say, it, really, really to, 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 to harm the boy. And instead of taking him, you let him out in the field, let him, let him enjoy yourself in the streets now. And took his family. He was worried. I mean, he saw what happened, but he wasn't 100% sure. And he went to a neighbor, who was also one of the Miranos. And he knocked on the door. And the fellow comes to the door and turns white. The fellow thought he was going to fall him also. She's, and he says, where's my family? She says, where's my family? Don't you... I mean, you, you informed him, like, was it? I... That's what they told you. That's what the, that's what the police said. The police said, you informed the Inquisition. And then he realized that Alpi Halacha, this fellow, who's afraid he's going to form him also, this fellow didn't know that, that he, didn't, he did it without realization. He was, he was making a serious nefesh. Um, anyway, everybody said, I think, I think you, you have a appreciation that the story has, it, has it, a, lot of, a lot of insights. I'm telling you a story just to keep up the time because really it's not part of the schedule. A lot of insights. Many times a person does a great mitzvah, a great mitzvah, and he doesn't know what he's doing. Doesn't know what he's doing. Destroys the world. And then he realized that this, that this neighbor, he doesn't know, he thinks the neighbor thought that this boy became, became, became uh, a <laughs> he, he went off to Derech. And he's going to fall more so. And then he realizes that Al-Pidin, According to the Jewish law, he's allowed to kill me. He picked up his feet and he started running. It wasn't he was afraid of his neighbor, he was running away from himself. And he ran and ran and telling himself, he's after me. But he knew he's not after him. He pushed it, couldn't stop to think. He ran and ran and ran and ran and ran until he just felt on, on, on the floor, on the grass, without any koyach. What do I do now? Where do I turn to? I try to make him a serious nefesh and look what I did. What do I do? And he fell asleep, obviously, exhausted. He got up the next morning, and who does he turn to? What does he do now? <laughs> to the Goyim, he can't go to the Goyim, he can't go to the Jews, the Jews know already what he, what he did. So, he decided he has no bravery. If he started, he'll go, he'll, he'll go to the end. Put the yarmulke in the pocket, 
went down, went to the, to the street of this fellow, of this priest, walked up the steps, knocked on the door. Um, the servant opened the door, and this priest was in the middle of, of lunch. Now, let me stop the story over here for a moment, and let me tell you a little bit about this priest. Who is this fellow? This fellow was a Russia, a priest from the Inquisitions. His name was Pabalus, but his original name was Pinchas. And he was the yeshiva bocher. And this was before the Inquisitions. He learned in the yeshiva. And he had a chaver. He had a friend. He was a good bocher. He was an ehrlich, an honest, fine bocher. He had a friend that was a mushkas. was a shlechte bocher. A mushkas. And this friend's name was Yosef. And this friend always used to convince him, used to instigate him that he should do all kinds of, all kinds of uh, crazy things, all kinds of bad things. The Shashiva spoke to him many times, this friendship is no good for you. You have to disconnect yourself from your friend. And you know, young Bokhah don't understand this. One time, this friend Yosef took the Tzedakah Pushka, took the, the Tzedakah box, and broke it, and took all the money, and convinced this, fellow, this, this boy Pinchas, and he went out, and they went to a restaurant, and they ate. They enjoyed themselves. They had a spillage. They ate a big, they, they ate a fancy meal. They found out in the yeshiva what happened and who did it. But yeshiva took this fellow Yosef and threw, out, threw him out of the yeshiva, sent him away, and called Pinchas and said, Pinchas, look, finally, your friend overdid it. You shouldn't have gone with him. He overdid it. I threw him out of the yeshiva. That's it. He's not here anymore. Now you become a mensch. Go back to your learning. Go back to your davening. You're Elech you're a fine boy. Go back to your Yiddishkeit. And he tried. And this fellow Pincha was trying. But his, he had terrible conscience pangs. He had eaten a, a, a supper from stolen money of charity, of tzedakah. This ate him up. He had terrible conscience pangs. His conscience ate him up. I did not there. What do I do? He wanted to pay back. He had no money. To ask his parents, he was embarrassed. And he, he went on like that for days, and his conscience was killing him. I did such a terrible thing. I ate gazela, and it was stucker, and the money that belonged to poor people. And like, you know, many, many, many young fellows have all kinds of crazy imaginations. Who knows what kind of poor people are, are, don't have what to eat because of me. And he felt that his conscience was, was bothering him. So this stupid boy, you know, they say in Yiddish that a stupid boy is, is like Maimon Kronivasa. Maimon is just a, it's a double, double expression. These young boys are all stupid. I think you, many of you have children like that. Whatever, this stupid boy said to himself, look, why am I suffering? I have conscience pangs. Why do I have conscience pangs? Because I have a toif. Because I have a toif. Because I'm, I'm, I'm a good boy. My a toif, Hashem was within me. That's what's bothering me. He's eating me up. So he decided he has to get rid of his a toif. So what did he do? It wasn't easy for him. But one day, he worked hard on it. And he went for a walk. And he didn't have mincha. No. If you don't have mincha... You're doing something evil. If you're doing something evil, you're throwing out the Yitzhah And he felt that Yitzhah Hashem will just leave him because he didn't have Mincha. And he was trying through that to get rid of his conscience. 
It didn't help him. It just made things worse. So again, he didn't have mincha. It just made things worse. So what happened next? He didn't have mariv. The kids there, it started Avera, Gredas, Avera, Avera, Gredas, Avera. He went midechi, ledechi, until finally he left the yeshiva. And he went from Avera to Avera, from rishis to rishis. And it all came because he felt that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was within him, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is eating him up. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying, you have to be a, tz- you have to be a tzaddik, and I can't live up to it. And he has to spit out HaKadosh Baruch Hu, get rid of HaKadosh Baruch Hu from it within him. And he was doing Avera after Avera until you lose yourself and you lose control of yourself. And he completely lost Kivun. And finally we find him in the story, in the end, in the situation where we see him as this Russia who became a Galaf in the, in, a priest in the position. And for the first time in his life that this fellow Pinchas that he knew that he's having a fight against Hashem. He's fighting against Hashem. The first time he realized that Hashem is stronger than him. When he saw through the window this boy in the situation of the Inquisitions walking with a yarmulke in his face with such dveikas and his face was burning with Kedusha he said Hashem is stronger than me and he said I'm going to do a mitzvah. I'm going to try to do a mitzvah once in my life. And he said his family I'm going to get but him I'm going to leave. I'm going to spare this boy. The first time in, in, in 35 years that he did a mitzvah. And it made him feel good. The next day, he was sitting and eating lunch. And his lunch was only trafing of food. Because he has to, he, he has, the more riches, he, he has a shitta. He turned into a shitta of doing the more resha you can. The door knocks. And the boy walks in. The servant answers the door and he says, what do you want? I must see the priest. Very important. He walks in. He walks into his room. And the priest says, what, what do you want? She says, what do I want? You took my family to the Inquisition. I want you to free them. She says, I'm not going to free them. Not only, I'm, I'm, aren't I going to free them? I'm going to take you into the Inquisition because you're wearing a yarmulke. I know good and well what a is when I wore a yarmulke. She says, no, you can't do anything to me anyways. Well, I can't do anything. Why can't I do anything? Because Hashem doesn't let you. She said, what if Hashem doesn't let me? I'll show you. She says, you see yesterday that you, didn't, you couldn't touch me? I couldn't touch you. I didn't want to. You didn't want to? You couldn't. No, Hashem didn't let you. I didn't want to. They start arguing. She says, all right, I'll show you. I'll show you that I can do what I want. So the boy says, all right. If I walk down these steps and I walk out of this house... And no one touches me, that means that Hashem is the boss. You're right, you're right. She says, I'm right. All right. He says, don't forget that if anybody touches me, I'm going to start screaming that you are a traitor to the Inquisition because you saw me yesterday with a yarmulke and your job was to catch me. That means that you are going back to your Judaism. So you'll say, it's not true. I'll say, it is true. It'll become a whole scandal. We'll see who will believe. It's not worth it for you. He says, oh yeah, you know, you're right. All right. He says, all right. But we made up that if I walk out of here, then Hashem's the boss. Picks himself up, walks out, and the guy was afraid. Because, the, because this chutzpah, this, this chutzif, is going to pick up her voice and start screaming that he's a Jew. And he, he doesn't have what to answer because people, there were other people that also saw the situation. And they saw that he was quiet. The boy w- walks away. The next day, the boy knocks on the door. Chutzif, he has nothing to lose anymore. And the servant comes to the door. 
And he says, what do you want? He says, I must see the priest. The priest is ill, he's sick. What? He's ill? Don't you know he's my best friend? I want to see what's wrong with him. And he just doesn't ask a question, he just walks in, walks in, walks in, walks in and opens the door. So what are you doing here? Hashem let me in. You, uh, keep quiet because you're in trouble. Yesterday I was here, and you let me out, and yesterday you admitted that Hashem is the boss. You admit it! I did, you did admit, don't say the lie. But kids, sir, the boy attached himself like a leech. He came in again and again, and he couldn't get rid of him. Because if you do one thing to me, I'm going to inform you. I'm going to say that you let me in once, you're with the yarmulke, and you admitted Hashem. I'm going straight to the policeman, and they'll take you in. They'll make you a mishpat, they'll make you a, they'll make you, they'll take you to court. We'll see who's right. I'll be killed, you'll be killed, but it's not... The kid said he attached himself to this fellow like a leech. And there was nothing that he could do to get rid of him. And he came in and again and again. I want you to live for my family. I don't want to. I can't. The kid said after the third and fourth time, this guy, this Yid Nebuch, this Pablos, told the boy his life history. He told him, you should know I was a Yeshua Bukhar. And he says, look, I am willing to maybe to, to see, maybe to help your family get out, to see what, to, what I can do. I'm not doing tshuva so fast. The boy was giving him Musa, and he, and he couldn't get rid of him. He just couldn't get rid of him. He just attached to him. There's one more Jew that I must kill. There's one more Jew that I have to get into this inquisition. There's the Jew that I hate with all my might. Get out to see what, to, what I can do. I'm not doing tshuva so fast. The boy was giving him Musa, and he, and he couldn't get rid of him. He just couldn't get rid of him. He was just attached to him. There's one more Jew that I must kill. There's one more Jew that I have to get into this inquisition. There's the Jew that I hate with all my might. If you find me this Jew, then we have what to talk about. And if not, then I don't want to talk. Who's this Jew? And he told them, this boy Yosef, this Yosef, that he was the one who stole that kushka. And he was the one who made me, he was the one who scared my situation. I must find that fellow. Because he was the one who ruined my life. He was the one who brought me to the situation. What are we up to? Is lunch ready? Is there any lunch? Huh? Is there lunch? Should I continue on here then the story? All right, I can tell, I can can you, can you the story? Yeah. All right. Now, so Yaakov went out and didn't know what to do, and he saw that you know that he reached already he reached the the boundary. He saw that he reached the boundary. He couldn't, you know, he, he's not going to get anything more out of this fellow. Now, in that city, there was a Talmud Chochim, uh, an, um, an older person, who was completely a Porush, a Tzadik Yisraelim. Now, he 
wanted to leave, he wanted to go away, he held out the Rambam, he said, he told the people that we're not supposed to go into hiding, we should flee from the country, we should go to Portugal, we should go to Holland, the, the world didn't finish yet, there's plenty of places to go, we're not supposed to be here before. The Moranos, the, the people the, and the families there begged him that they'll keep him completely in hiding, he'll never have to walk out, never have to see the people, never have to deny his Judaism, even, even verbally. And he was completely kept in hiding, and he sat and learned Torah. He had a small yeshiva, had several brachim that learned with him. And he was a Talmud Chochem. That he was completely, completely in hiding. He was a, he was an Odin Godel. Now Yaakov, because of his natural kishrenis, as we mentioned, that he was a masmid, he had a special. He knew how to find this 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 uh, this Talmud Chochem. This Talmud Chochem, his name was Rabbi Yosef, just like the same name as this fellow who. His name was Reb Yosef. Yaakov went to find Reb Yosef to ask him, how do I continue? And he thought, maybe Reb Yosef will be able to know because he's from the previous generation, he'll know what's going on. The kids there, he went, I don't want to keep the story long, but how do we get to, you know, he had to get into his house, etc., etc. The kids there, he went, he went and with signs, with signals. Finally, he came into his base medrash and he told him the whole story from the beginning. How he was learning the Rambam and how he found the, found the Rambam and how, how he went out of the serious nefesh and how he formed his family and how he got into to Pablo's and uh, the whole story until present moment that Pablo said, you bring me this, you bring me this, this Russia, Yosef, this boy and I want to know what to do with him and then we can continue discussing things until now, don't come to me anymore. I don't care, I'll get killed, you'll get killed, leave me alone. And he told the whole story to, to this town, to this, to this Rav, to the Godel. And he saw that the Rav's face was turning colors. I think you understand the story that this was the, this Rav was this Yosef who had ruined Pablo, made him for Shegas. He became a Balchuva, he became a Talmud Chochim, he became Odom Godel. And the bad, that, the bad boy and the good boy became a Russia, etc., etc. Now, as Yaakov was telling the whole story, he realized that what's happening here. He realized that this is that, that, that it's he. It's he. And then he stopped. He stopped because he realized that he's making him terrible agmas nefesh. And then he saw he's not making agmas nefesh. He, he thought that he would, you know, he just fainted away. That, that that he would tell him the story, how he was the cause that his friend Pinchas should become such a situation. So he was sure that when I'm telling you basically what, what Pablis told me, he's going to just die from, from, from Agmas Nefesh. And he saw the exact opposite. Yosef was filled with such a simcha, with such a, an ecstasy. Oh, his face was flaming with Baruch Hashem. He was saying, Baruch Hashem. She says, Rebbe, what, what, what's happening? She says, I didn't know, but I was sure. I knew that, that I was the cause of Pinchas's Akilkula, the fact that he became a Russian. I knew it. I understood it. I, I didn't know it for a fact, but I understood it. I didn't know how to get him back. And now, finally, that Hashem helped me, that I see that you have a, an avenue to him, that you, have, that you went through his door, that, the, that something is moving, that I have a hope that maybe I'll be able to make him for a Balchua back again. This is the most happiest moment of my life. I just want to tell you two little things, which is not part of the story. Two little stories within the story. Yaakov Yosef, Rebbe, tell me, Pinchas told me, Pablis explained to me how he as a good, as a good yeshiva book, how he became such a Russian. He told me his whole story. 
But how you, as a Russia, how did you become such a tzaddik? He says, I'll tell you two things, he said. I'll tell you two things. First of all, I was a bad boy. I did terrible things. And the Gemara says, Rishoyim Molecharotus. Rishoyim are always sorry. Whatever you do something bad, you're always sorry. And I was that kind of a Russia. Whenever I did something bad, I was sorry. I always said to myself, never again. I won't do it again. I won't do it again. And I was always full of charatas. I never gave up myself. In other words, I never, I never put myself in a situation that I'm a Russia. I always said to myself, no, I'm a tzaddik, I'm going to become good. And whenever I did something wrong, it's, I'm not going to do it again. It's going to be good. And this is what made me, this is what brought me back. I never gave up hope. Second of all, I want to tell you a little story. He said, look, the story is, the story is as follows. When I was already a little better, I was in Eretz Israel. I happened to be in Eretz Israel. And I rented a, ha- a, a room. It was up on a, on a third floor in a, in a house. There weren't many floors like that, but it was a little room. Those days, there, was, there weren't such tall houses, but there was a, a house there with a third floor. And there was a hall with... And it was Pesach. It was Erev Pesach. Night of B'dikas Chometz. And I was a bocha by myself. My family was, was elsewhere. And I had this room. And it was B'dikas Chometz. And I was invited to someone's house for Lel Seder. And I said to myself, you know, and I prepared my room. And I bought some matzahs. And I bought some, some, some uh, whatever I can get. I was in a good position. I, was, I had money and everything. But after B'dikas Chometz, that night, I was, I'm going to go to sleep early. So tomorrow we could be up for the Seder, we could make a Seder, because I wanted very much to have a good, a good little Seder. Seder for Pesach, I wanted very much to, to really enjoy the excitement of a Seder. Because I was, I was already on the road back. After I finished the Pesach Chametz, my, my room was clean, I took a little bag, I put the, the, the bread that was left, put it in the corner, and I had to go down to, to, to buy something in the store. And I walked down, and I noticed that there's a hole. Like, like, you know, today in the hall, you have a hole, you have steps and steps and steps to the third floor. And the hole was a chazashtah. No one washed it. There were many people lived there. No one bothered washing the hole. Like, like uh, many, many nice uh, families that we know. Everyone washed, washed and cleaned and, and, and their own house. But the hole, how do you say, the, stair, the stairway, no one bothered cleaning. That's not, a, I'm going to clean the, the stairway for all the families. I have one, two, three, four, six families. I have one little room on the top. I'm going to clean the stables for all the families. And I said, maybe you're not for the family, but for you. You have no, you have no permission. That You have to walk through this hallway. You live up on the third floor. You have to walk through this hallway. And you have to, uh, you have to clean it. You have to make bedikas chametz. That's your mitzvah. I'm going to make bedikas chametz for all the families. And I had a whole fight with myself. Why should I make bedikas chametz for all the families? So I said to myself, what do you care about the families? But you're mechuyiv. The kids, there was a whole fight, and I said to myself, but if you're going to make Bidikas Chometz, it'll take you to two in the morning, and tomorrow night you're not going to have a little Seder. So I said to myself, all right, I want to have a little Seder, but still it's a mitzvah. Whatever it is, I took out a candle, and I started being Bidik Chometz. And I saw that it can't be Bidik Chometz because it wasn't washed. <laughs> there were so much Chometz. So I put away the candles, and I took out a broom, and I cleaned up the whole stairway from top to the bottom. And then I took a mop, and water, and I cleaned it, and I scrubbed it, even though it wasn't my house, and I cleaned it, and I scrubbed it, the whole stairway from top to the bottom. 
And then I took a, a mare and I started making Batikas Khamats. When I finally fell into bed, it was 3.30 in the morning. And I felt so bad. I worked so hard. At 3.30 in the morning, tomorrow my Seder shall Pesach. I'm going to just be, I'm going to fall asleep on the Haggadah. After the first case, I'm finished. The next morning I got up. For some reason I davened better. That Seder was the most beautiful Seder I had in my life. Hashem opened to me all the lights. I didn't, I was so excited. And after we finished the, the last halo, after everything, I sat, I just couldn't go to sleep. I sat and I learned and I, enjoy, and I sat with my friends till the morning. And Hashem opened up for me b'schus of the mysterious nefesh that I did for a mitzvah. In the schus of this mysterious nefesh, Hashem opened up to me a new light. And I started reading what Mitzvah Mitzrayim is, and what Mitzvah Yisrael is teaching us, and what Hashem is telling us. And the Pesach was for me the most beautiful Pesach that I had. Even till today, when I already had Talmud Chochem and a Tzaddik, I never had such a Pesach. It was in Eretz Yisrael. The last day of Pesach was on Friday. Over here, there's no such thing. Over here, Achim Shah Pesach will never be Friday. And that's Israel, Achim Pesach can be Friday. And Shabbos is Yisru Chag, the day after Pesach, like it was this year. It was Friday afternoon, Pesach afternoon, and I was mamish crying. Pesach is leaving me. Hashem, don't let Pesach go away. It's such a beautiful Pesach. And I realized that Hashem gave it to me as a present. The mitzvahs that I did, this mysterious nefesh, but the that I did for mitzvah Rabbanim, which I felt I wasn't mechuyev. And then I realized, I said to myself, Yosef, are you crazy? Pesach is going, but Shabbos is coming. And Shabbos is more than Pesach. And then I took all my realizations, all the beauty that I had on Pesach, and I brought it into Shabbos. And for the first time in my life, I knew what it means, Shabbos. And afterwards, till Mitzvah Shabbos, and when Shabbos left me, I knew Shabbos is coming very fifth. I'm not going to have to wait a, week, a whole year for Shabbos. And from then I got appreciation of Shabbos. And I started loving Shabbos. And I started diving for Shabbos. And I started appreciating Shabbos. And then from Shabbos, everything opened up. And I started learning Torah. And my whole life took, I started really, what feeling is, if Shabbos is feeling, feeling is Shabbos. And here's where I am. All from one little mitzvah that I did in the serious nefesh. That's enough of that.